I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're The Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the new season of The Editing Podcast. It is great to be back. Oh, it really is. <laughs> We've missed gassing about the business of editing with you. So it's really great to be back at the mic again. It is. So a lot of you told us how much you enjoyed the episode about tackling marketing overwhelm. So we decided to open this season with more tips on how to overcome the fear and get going with your promotion. Yeah, that's right. And just because Louise and I love the marketing side of running an editing business, we know that not everyone feels that way and that for many of you, it's an obstacle. So we're hoping to convince you to embrace it and enjoy it. Yeah, so that it becomes a comfort zone rather than something that gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, and just like we said last time, there really is absolutely no way around it. It doesn't matter who our clients are. If we're self-employed, we have to take responsibility for this stuff, even if we'd rather not. Yep, owning an editorial business has two prongs to it. The work we do and the work we do to get the work we do. And we can't have one without the other, can we? No, we cannot. So let's start with a quick summary of the tips we're going to offer in this episode. So the first obstacle that arises is that people sometimes worry that they don't have anything to shout about. And we're going to try to persuade you that it's all about the messaging and the mindset and that even newbies can frame their businesses in terms of wins. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about the imposter syndrome that can arise when we start comparing ourselves with other editors and what seems to be a monumental amount of marketing they're doing. And we'll chat about how your perceptions might not quite match reality. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then the third thing we'll look at is how to manage the marketing. Because even once we've done the planning and worked out what promotion we want to do and who we want to target, that to-do list can seem like a real kick in the teeth that's really paralyzing. Yeah, and so we're going to share a tip that we both use to help us manage our marketing. And that means that we stay chilled about it and enjoy it rather than it feeling like a burden. Yeah. So let's start with the issue of messaging and how even inexperienced marketers and new editors and proofreaders can promote themselves effectively. Now, I think the problem here is generally one of perception and confidence. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of people think that they don't have anything to show off about, perhaps because they've only just completed their training, or maybe they think that the work that they do is important, but not interesting enough to shout about or talk about. Yeah, and that kind of negative mindset, one that tells us our wins aren't worth sharing, can be really become embedded. Mm. And so we don't think of our achievements as something um, our colleagues or our clients will be interested in. And what we both know from experience is that once you get into the habit of thinking in terms of wins and telling people about them, that mindset percolates into your business as a, as a whole. So my head's stuck in a space <laughs> where I assume that everyone is absolutely <laughs> fascinated by narrative viewpoint, filter words, and suspenseful chapter endings. No, 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 Louise. Everyone is fascinated by PDF markup <laughs> and proofreading for businesses and ELT publishing. No, Denise. Everyone is fascinated by content marketing. <laughs> well, actually, yes, I agree with that. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> Seriously, though, 
we know that lots of people aren't remotely interested in the things that we're interested in, in the things that we talk about, blog about, run courses about. But you know what? That doesn't matter. Nope. Exactly. Our content marketing isn't aimed at people who aren't interested. It's aimed at people who are. And so we've decided not to worry about people who aren't interested in us or who think our specialisms and interests are boring. So that's our first tip. Stop worrying about those who aren't interested in you. Instead, assume that at least one person on the planet is interested and wants to hear what you've got to say. And that one person is who you're marketing to, who your messaging is aimed at, just them. And to help yourself develop that positive mindset, start recording your wins. Now, it doesn't have to be just shiny, shiny stuff like winning an award or securing a new client or launching a new product or publishing a 2000 word blog post. Yeah, it could be completing a test or sending out 10 letters to prospective clients, filling out a LinkedIn profile, uploading a picture to a website, booking a course, securing a testimonial, creating a marketing to-do list, buying a domain name or applying for a membership upgrade to a professional society or just surviving the week. <laughs> yeah, because that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to celebrate everyone, you know, however big or small they might yeah. be. Anything that takes our businesses forward is worth celebrating. So Louise and I are pretty good at holding a list of our wins in our heads, but you might prefer to keep a physical record of your achievements. Yeah, so you don't need anything fancy, a spreadsheet, a notebook, a space on your wall for post-it notes or a wind jar. Our pal Crystal Shelley was talking on Twitter a while back about her wind jar and it's a physical jar that she actually puts notes in. Mm. And when she needs a little boost, she picks out one of those bits of paper to remind herself of what she's achieved rather than focusing on a challenge she's facing. Yeah, and that's so important because we all have challenges and it's so easy to forget the masses of times that we have succeeded. Yeah. And when we feel overwhelmed by all the things that we have to do as business owners, just looking at that spreadsheet or notebook, the wall or the jar, well, it reminds us of all the good stuff. So it's about focusing our attention on what's been done rather than what's left to do. And here's something else to remember, actually. What you think of as your wind jar might actually be someone else's too. So Crystal pulled out a slip of paper from her wind jar um, when she was chatting about this on Twitter. And um, that win was that she'd been a guest on this podcast. Yeah. And that was... <laughs> That kind of took us a fact, didn't it? Because yeah. as far as we're concerned, that was our win. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We took a fabulous guest who could talk with compassion and authority about conscious language and representation. We're the ones who got to learn from her. Yeah. And, and that's a really wonderful reminder about the messaging that we talked about a few minutes ago. Yeah, your knowledge, your expertise is always valuable to other people somewhere, whether it's how to punctuate a list, copy edit figures and tables, build a style sheet or help people understand more about how language and representation are intertwined. If you have knowledge and experience to share, someone will be interested in it. Someone will value it. Never forget that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So create that wind jar, that notebook, something to help you record what you've achieved as well as what's left to do. Busy people's wins deserve to be celebrated. They certainly do. Mm. And start making a list of all the stuff you know, niche things that someone else out there doesn't. That can form the backbone for your blogs, your videos, your slides, your web copy, information sheets, booklets, presentations, um, conferences, anything you like. And all of that stuff can be shared. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay then, let's move on to the imposter syndrome issue and those comparisons with other editors and their seemingly impossible marketing output. Maybe <laughs> they're churning out blog posts and booklets and videos every week on social media and you're thinking, how on earth did they do that without incurring the expense of hiring someone else to create that stuff for them? And maybe you're thinking, I can't afford to hire someone. I can't put out stuff as regularly as them. I don't have time to write or record or design booklets and articles at that rate. I've got a business to run. Mm. And maybe you're thinking, if I can't do it as often as they do it, there's no point. It's hopeless. I might as well not bother. But it is likely that this is a perception problem. Louise, how many blog posts did you share on social media last week? I shared 15, three every day, Denise. And tell me this, how many blog posts did you write last week? None. And what about the week before? None. So when did you actually write those 15 blog posts that you shared? Uh, some I wrote a few months ago, some a few years ago, and mm -hmm. um, two that I've shared recently I um, wrote a couple of weeks ago. Right, so you see what's going on there is what's called evergreen recycling. You write one post, but the information in it remains useful so you can share it over and over. And the more posts you create, the more you have to recycle. And people who've seen that post before just ignore it. Yep. Those who didn't read it the first time come to it with fresh eyes. And so it seems new to them. And that means that doing that one bit of marketing, creating that one piece of useful information is something that can be used not just once, but again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. So our marketing labour has long term benefits. You do the work once, but the gains are indefinite. So you might think that Louise is either hiring people to write for her or spending so much time on marketing that she can't possibly have any time left over for editing. But the reality is that the only time she spent on marketing last week is the time that it took her to share the blog posts that she wrote months and years ago. <laughs> Sorry, Harmby, your dastardly secret is out. Damn it, woman, you've exposed me. Well, it's payback time. Let's talk about repurposing because that's the other foundation of the marketing strategy that makes our editor seem impossibly effective. But in fact, there's something else going on. So let me tell you all about Cal's fabulous learning centre on her website. <laughs> Anyone heading there might think, oh my goodness, on top of her blogging and her podcasting, she also, she's also created a library of stuff for her clients and her colleagues to access too. No, no, no. What she's doing is repurposing. That library, just like my resource library, because yes, I love this trick too, is full of content ripped from other spaces on her site, <laughs> like her blog and the podcast. Mm, that's the beauty of it. It's, it's like recycling. You do the work once, but then position it yeah. differently and you make it accessible in different spaces and different formats so that it works for you over and over again. And, and it's not cheating. Nope. It's putting the people that you created that stuff for front and centre. That's because not everyone wants to trawl through a huge list of blogs on your oh. website. Some people want to search for stuff by topic or they want to download a booklet rather than read a blog or they want to watch a video or listen to something rather than reading it. So that's our tip. Every time you create something useful, and it doesn't have to be um, in a marketing context, it could be a presentation at a conference or a workshop or something you created to make your own day-to-day -day business practice more useful, think about how you can repurpose that same information in different formats. 
then share that new thing. Yeah, and think about whether an old blog post can be updated or maybe you can tweak it by looking at it from a slightly different angle. And if you have several blog posts with the same theme, but that address niche topics, create a new post that summarises the core ideas of all the others. Hmm. Can you turn an existing blog post into a PowerPoint slideshow? Add a voiceover or some music, save it as an MP4 and you have a video. Yeah. Or take a blog post and summarise the core points on a Twitter thread like Denise did um, a while back with a post about what information an editor needs. That thing went through the roof. <laughs> it really did. It touched such a nerve. Yeah, or you could turn the blog post into a booklet like Louise did with a post about punctuating dialogue in fiction. Actually, she created slides two and turned them into a video. Now people can access what she calls a free webinar, <laughs> but it's not a new thing at all. She wrote one blog post and reformatted it multiple ways. It's all about the messaging. Oh, I love repurposing. <laughs> repurposing is quicker than creating from scratch and therefore great for the time poor editor. But as we said before, it also respects the fact that people like to, um, to access help in different ways and at different times. Yeah. And so even if an editor appears to produce a lot of visible content, it's more likely that they're taking shortcuts to make life easier. And so can you. And so just to reiterate, the busiest marketing editors are not magicians. They're just good at recycling and repurposing. And like Denise said, you can do the same. Yeah. So let's turn to the final issue. You've made a list of all the things that you've seen others doing, and it is huge. huge. Overwhelming, in fact. Ugh, there's so much, and it's paralyzing you. Social media engagement, blogging, learning to do video, advertising and directories, building a list of publishers, packagers and project management agencies and contacting them all, then creating or refining your website, developing a newsletter mailing list, attending online and offline networking meetings and... Stop! <laughs> <laughs> I feel nauseous just hearing you say all that. And that's the thing, there's no way any of us can look at a list like that and think that we have nearly enough time in our lives to get it all sorted. It would take months and months and months. Yeah, it might even take a couple of years to get up to full speed. And you know what? That's fine. It's supposed to be like that because you're a professional editor, not a professional marketer. So if you feel overwhelmed by everything that needs to be done, take a breath and think in ones. Even the most visible and active of editors started out with just one blog post, just one tweet, just one small list of publishers, just one directory entry, just one page on a website, just one online group they lurked in. That is exactly it. Everyone has to start somewhere. None of us creates a marketing strategy and nails it a month later. And marketing gets easier over time because there comes a point where it starts to work for you instead of being a burden. Yeah. So take me and Denise, for example, we have an old um, we have old blog content we can repurpose. We use scheduling tools to quickly access old content and then share that. And our websites are up and running. So we're tweaking rather than building. And we've already created our directory entries. So we only need to renew and tweak once in a while. Yeah, but some years back, we were still in the process of developing that stuff, still staring at that to-do list. But we didn't do it all at once. We did it a bit and then a bit more and then a bit more. And then over time, the foundational work was completed, leaving us space to focus on the marketing activities 
that work best for us now and allow us to spend time on repurposing and recycling. So what we want you to do is to look at your marketing list and instead of seeing it as an ocean in which to drown, break it down into cups from which you can sip. Mm. Yes. <laughs> you like that? I like that. Although I'm thinking, hmm, do I want to drink cups of salty water? No. <laughs> I think your analogy breaks down there. I know. Anyway, right. anyway. Yes. Yeah, so as we were saying, create a doable schedule. Choose a couple of things and an acceptable time frame in which to do them. And then when you've done those, choose a couple more and do them. These are small steps that respect and reflect your client base, your personality and the demands of your work and personal life. And thinking in ones lets you schedule step by step so that your goals are achievable in the long term and suit your business, not mine or Denise's or anyone else's. And that way you can give yourself a break. Give yourself permission to do it gradually and to accept that the results will be gradual, gradual, but cumulative. Exactly. And look, we did it. So can you. We, huh? we promise. We're not marketers. We're editors just like you. Repurpose, recycle and think in ones and it'll get you there. So that's it for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. Yes, thank you so much for listening to the Editing Podcast. She's been Louise. And she's been Denise. Join us again soon. Bye. Bye.